Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Canes, where it's all about the U. I'm your host, Corey Joyner, and I'm joined by co-host Fred Perdue. Fred, thank God it's Friday. What's happening? What's going on, man? We have a big time show planned out for you guys where we talk a little Georgia Tech. I mean, this I used to hate Georgia Tech week because we know what Georgia Tech used to bring, but maybe, just maybe things have changed. They might have changed, but nah, <laughs> things haven't changed much. But today's our game day preview show. We have a jam-packed show for you guys today, and we have you covered on the latest happenings with this program. A special guest is dropping by to help break down the game and give us score predictions. But before we get started, make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnCanes, for the latest happenings with the show, as well as updates about the team. We're going to kick things off with information about Saturday's game. The game will be played at noon at home, Hard Rock Stadium. So everybody, if you're in South Florida, go fill up the rock. Go cheer us on. It will be shown on the ACC Network. You can get the ACC Network if you have access to ESPN. If your cable package does not have ESPN, make sure you go to the bar. Make sure you borrow someone's ESPN password. ESPN, you didn't hear that. But watch the game. Support our guys uh, when they play on Saturday at noon. Definitely, man. Uh, just to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, man. Uh, for, so I'll, I'll actually be in, uh, in in Atlanta. So I'll be kind of, you know, I'll throw up to you one time when we go past a little bit. But uh, just to kind of pull back the, the, the curtain a little bit. I'm actually celebrating my one-year wedding anniversary. So, unfortunately, I can't be at the game. I'll get a chance to maybe peek a little bit. But... You know, I'm rooting for those Canes, man. And that's big time to you. Congratulations, man. You guys go have a great time. And I don't want you to throw up to you one time. Throw it up multiple times as you go through Atlanta. Not one. Make sure they know that it's all about you. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Okay, I got you. I got you. Well, we know who your basketball team is in the (laughs) NBA. (laughs) But, yeah, that's going to be a great game, man. Make sure you guys have a lot of fun. If you can catch uh, as much of the game as possible, please do so. But, you know, we all have lives outside of the sports realm. And uh, big congratulations to you and to your wife. And have fun, for sure. Now, with this game, just breaking down the numbers, uh, we have been averaging close to 30 points a game and only allowing 19.2 points a game. While Georgia Tech on the other side, they're averaging – only 17 points a game and allowing 32 points a game. So it's kind of like it's, it's flipped. So this is a game that we are heavily favored um, to win here. And that's how it should be. Georgia Tech, this should be an easy game, a tune-up game. And we're coming off some momentum uh, from the victory last week. And that momentum should carry going into this game for us to fix some things and get ready to to close out the last five games of this season. But we got to take care of business on Saturday. Yeah, we definitely do have to take care of business. This is no game is an easy game, especially after what I've seen throughout the last few weeks of the season. Uh, like you said, Miami is a uh, an 18-point favorite. The Lions did start out at 20 points, uh, so not much movement. Those folks out in Vegas, they know a little bit more than I do, I guess. Uh, but I feel like with this game, 
Uh, Miami's been been pretty good on offense. Uh, th- now, granted, those those numbers are a little inflated when you play teams like Bethune Cookman. Uh, you you drop a sixty three pointer on on a on a, a FCS school, you're gonna have some inflated numbers. But for the most part, Miami's been able to mo- to move the needle as far as points are concerned. Uh, been able to somewhat stop some folks. Uh, again, having different teams like Florida, uh, the loss of Florida. Uh, the loss of uh, North Carolina as well as Virginia Tech. Uh, those losses kind of skew the numbers a little bit. But for the most part, Miami has been able to put up, put up points. And in the, in the wins that we have had, we've been able to shut those teams down for the most part. Uh, when I look at Miami, I look at the fact that uh, they're putting up over 400 yards a game of total offense. And it's it really shows that it, down the stretch, this team has been able to to move the ball up and down the field, especially when they when those athletes can get moving. And that's what we should see on Saturday. We should see a lot of yards um, through the air and on the ground from this offense. We talked about it yesterday on the podcast with the Kosey Perry getting the starting nod. We should see him um, bring his uh, dynamic play from running outside the pocket and making plays with his legs. So we should see that as well. It should also open up the run again. We should see a little bit more DJ Dallas and um, Calvin Payne this game that we didn't see as much as them last game. So I'm expecting to see uh, more effort put into the running game going into uh, Saturday. Yeah, I, I expect to see a lot of the running game. Calvin Harris, or I'm, I'm sorry, Cameron Harris as well as DJ Dallas. Those two guys have really been able to uh, kind of turn it up a little bit and uh, listening to the press conference uh, from from yesterday where DJ Dallas was saying that he feels like the running game is, hasn't been really an issue and he hasn't really struggled much. He just needs to put – he's taking a lot of accountability, and I like to see that. Uh, maybe it might be a little forced in accountability. We know how some of these athletes like to uh, put a chip on their shoulder that may not actually be there. But whatever gets you up for what for the game for game day is what uh, whatever you have to do to do that is uh, is necessary. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing this. I've actually only I've saw Georgia Tech twice this season, uh, once against Clemson to start the season, and then most recently against Duke, where that game kind of got away from them. Uh, the Clemson game wasn't necessarily uh, that was just they were playing against the defending national champs, and they gave those guys a battle for. Maybe a half, maybe I'd say a, maybe a, a half. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw a few picks, and uh, it didn't look all that great. But the Duke game, it just got away from these. This team still has has weapons. Uh, most of the time, what we the one thing we always say here uh, when it comes to the Miami and Georgia Tech game is Miami always hated uh, that triple option offense by Paul Johnson, and now that he's gone, that. You would think uh, a lot of the cut blocking is gone, obviously, but now that they've gone to more of a, a modern spread system, but you're still seeing a lot of the same option principles, which Manny Diaz uh, yesterday also alluded to that uh, the same principles still apply. You still have to not only one respect your opponent, but also come into a game where you actually have to be your eye discipline matters. You have to watch the ball. You have they have guys on scholarship there. And yeah, those guys are playing a little bit of a different position. Uh, you see a lot of those those running backs, those B backs, those A backs. They're playing receiver now, uh, but they still have ball skills. They have they have very good ball skills. And if you take this team lightly, 
you could see a, a situation like you did against Central Michigan, but I don't think that's te- I think this team got a bit of a wake-up call last week uh, against Virginia where they realized we can be pretty dominant, especially on the defensive side. So I think that you're going to have this team's full attention. That is, from uh, Manny Diaz, he'll have this team's full attention. And because every game at this point is a playoff, it's, uh, it's win to possibly get it. And we hinted earlier on the show and on yesterday's podcast that we'll have a special guest to help break down this game. And we will be back on the other side to break it all down with you. And now I'd like to bring on Cam Underwood, managing editor at stateoftheu.com. What's going on, Cam? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Freddie? Good morning. You know, good to be here with uh, you and everybody talking a little bit of Canes football. So, you know, have some fun. Definitely, definitely, man. Um, We have a big game against Georgia Tech uh, tomorrow. And this team, this Georgia Tech team, it's not the typical Georgia Tech team. Usually this defense gets up for this game because it's it's the typical Paul Johnson offense. But, you know, we don't have that anymore. It's Jeff Collins and and a bunch of different – it's a mismatch of spread meets – triple option meets no tight ends this should be very interesting yeah you know and the the thing for years when paul johnson was at georgia tech was it's not it wasn't about the jimmies and joes it was about the x's and o's you know because going up against that you know flex bone triple option system was its own you know a barrier to cross you know it was that it was more about the system than it was the players and i hated this week because the left guard always false starts and they never call it. They're always going to try to chop block, cut block, you know, dive through your knees on defensive line, you know, and we've seen guys go to the league early from Miami's defensive line so that they don't have to go up against Georgia Tech. So it was a week that I hated because we every team should basically beat Georgia Tech because they were not that talented, but that infernal scheme leveled the playing field a little bit. So now, obviously, CPJ is gone. You bring in Jeff Collins from Temple, who was succeeded at Temple by Manny Diaz for less than three weeks before he came back to Miami. Um, And, yeah, they're trying to change things up into more of a modern system, not relying on that flex bone triple. But you still have all those guys who were recruited to play that offensive system. So you're still going to have some elements of it there. but yeah, it's uh, like you were noting, it, it's very multiple. You know, they want to go under center. They want to go shotgun. They do still have some uh, option elements, even if it doesn't look necessarily like it used to. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, but they're like at the ground floor of a rebuild right now. Like everything is down to the studs. So uh, it's not looking pretty for them so far this year. Definitely. And uh, I have a little bit of insight on that Georgia Tech team, the the Paul Johnson teams. I actually had a cousin that actually played for Georgia Tech over the last few years. He's actually still a – I think he's a GA still. And mm. he played on that offensive line, and he just used to love this game because he used to – he was actually recruited by Miami. And, you know, one of the things he always said, those linemen hated the cut blocks. Uh, he played along uh, with Shaq Mason, who's now with the New England Patriots. And those guys, they they just, they love cut blocking people. And no one likes to play against that offense. I mean, the linemen hate it. The linebackers, they have to play so disciplined. Uh, the corners, they're just, in the secondary. They have to, they get bored. Because you're, you may see five, maybe ten passes a game. And they're all deep balls. I mean, it's it's a crazy offense to play against. It takes you back to the to high school, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, like, yeah, like I said, nobody wants to deal with cut blocks because 
you're just worrying about your knees literally the entire game on defensive line. Um, you know, and it, it's a thing where, you know, Trajan Bandy for Miami is a junior this year. He didn't really clock any snaps as a freshman, even though he was a very good player, because, you know, he's only 5'9", 180 pounds. But what are you going to need to do, even at a cornerback? Run support. Which means that you're going to have to get off of a block of a wide receiver who's 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 200-something pounds because those guys are around the Atlanta area. So even, I mean, Calvin Johnson famously obviously went to Georgia Tech. So not everybody is that size, but Georgia Tech still has good-sized dudes at wide receiver. And you've got to get off those blocks to hold the edge in run support. You know, if they're doing that rocket toss to the, to the B-back or whatever, you know. So even Trajan Bandy, who's one of the foundational players of this defense now as a junior, when he was clocking snaps as a freshman, this was, was a game where he wasn't even bored like you're talking about uh, for being on the field and only getting those four deep balls a game. He was bored on the sideline because he didn't have the physical size to really uh, impact the game positively in run support. So, yeah, it, it's I, I am so glad that they're not running that that damn off the you know <laughs> flex bone triple anymore. I, I hated that week. My goodness. Yeah, I, I did as well. And, you know, this this series has been very back and forth. I mean, it's not like Miami has been just dominant against these off against that offense where I look at last year, even just how I mean, that game was weird. It was weird. And it's always weird for this defense. How does Manny Diaz now transition from the Paul Johnson system where he's been preaching, you know, read your keys, stay disciplined, keep it's your eyes, it's your watch the ball. To now you're seeing motion. I've seen, I saw them play against uh, against Clemson earlier than the first game of the season, and that offense, it's like you said, had a lot of the same concepts. It's just now they're in the shotgun. How does Manny Diaz one keep this team focused? Because it's not they're, just because they have one and five in front of their name, they're still dangerous. They're still going to be able to run the ball. These guys are still on scholarship. Right, and I mean I think that the season this far is the thing that should be uh, used for motivation. You know, Miami has been the more talented team on the field every week of the season, except for against Florida, where it was comparable talent. You lose to Florida close. You lose to a North Carolina team that you're more talented than. You lose to a Virginia Tech team that you're more talented than. You have three losses already. So you cannot come in just beating your chest, thinking that the logo is going to do the work for you. And we've seen that this year. So I don't think that motivation is going to be a thing. It's really just getting out there and really playing every snap like it's 0-0, going 100% every single play. You know, And you saw that last week against Virginia, where this team really dug in to create the plays that they needed to create to win the game, not waiting on something to happen, waiting on a ref, just saying, okay, well, we're more talented than these guys, so we're going to win. I think that we've seen those kind of efforts already this year, and we've seen that those kind of efforts have resulted in losses. So, you know, Manny Diaz should be able to, I hope, uh, get this team motivated, uh, you know, just to continue the excellence that we've seen against Georgia Tech. Miami's 8-2 and two in the last 10 against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we did lose to them last year, um, you know, like this is a thing where, you know, even with, you know, Paul Johnson there and everything, Miami's been successful. And I think that it really comes down to going back to basics, not expecting anything, going out and earning every single yard, every single point, and playing – Every play, and again, like you said, 
Georgia Tech has scholarship players over there. They have guys who are playing, you know, their hardest. They want to win games. And Miami's always everybody's Super Bowl. You've seen that already this year. So I, I don't see, logically to me, there's no foundation for Miami just being like, oh, we're Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, where, well, not even Georgia because they lost a bad game last week, but where we can just kind of go out there and our superior talent is going to take care of things even if we are lackadaisical. Miami's not that. Miami has to be dogs. Miami has to get in the, excuse me, into the mud. And I think that Manny Diaz has finally impressed that upon the team, and hopefully we see that tomorrow. You know, I said uh, yesterday on the show, I said, the Virginia game was probably the biggest wake-up call because they finally put four quarters together. Every game throughout the season has been, you know, you get two and a half, three, maybe three and a half, but when that fourth quarter came around where you're tired, you're gassed, uh, the D-line is just doesn't want to get after anybody anymore or the game's somewhat out of reach, you know, this team somewhat quits, and you, can he- you hear it every time Manny Diaz talks. It's like... I want to see what I see in practice translate to the field. And mm-hmm. offensively, that's where the, the problems are coming. Where do you see Miami getting some traction as far as the offensive side of the ball? Because you can we can throw the ball a little bit. We can pitch it around. But it's the run game that's going to keep this game close because the possessions are going to be limited. Yeah, um, I think it's really – Again, comes down to the offensive line more than anything else, more than if it's Jaron or Nicosi at quarterback. P.S., by the way, just for everybody listening, I believe it should be Nicosi, but I will support Jaron if that is the move that is made. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line just needs to do better. And D.J. Dallas, when given space, is doing really well. I mean, he's averaging 6.74 yards a carry this year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really, really good. I'm trying to look up the national uh, stats right now, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a guy who's, I mean, for his usage in the top 40, but probably even higher than that for guys with as many carries as him in yards per carry, you got to find a way to do better. You got to find a way to really hold the point of attack. And that will let everything work a little bit smoother on offense. Um, You know, you got, I would like to see the receivers stop dropping balls. I would like to see the quarterback, whichever quarterback, be more accurate down the field. Nikosi Perry had a couple overthrows against Virginia, whereas uh, Jaron Williams had some underthrows against Virginia Tech. Uh, And I think that's just emblematic of the difference of arm strength between the two. But, I mean, Georgia Georgia Tech can't run with us, uh, like at skill positions. You know, Miami has six or seven wide receivers who are just supremely talented when compared to their uh, counterparts from Georgia Tech's team. They can't run with us. So you've got to get your guys in space, and you got to really use the advantage of size up front to really affect things on the offensive line. And, hey, maybe you go back to, you know, I'm from Detroit. I grew up watching the Lions. The Lions' offensive line was terrible when we had Barry Sanders. So what did they do? They ran zone blocking, tried to just get into an area and say, hey, Barry, do your thing, find a hole, make magic happen. Why is Miami not necessarily trying to do that kind of a thing? Because man-to-man blocking in run blocking situations clearly is not the solution. So, you know, maybe altering things in that kind of a way. But I really think it starts with 
with the offensive line finding a way to be the best version of themselves possible, even though I know that that's not going to be the best ever. you got to start with that. Um, you can't miss holes when you're running back, whether it's DJ Dallas or Cam Harris. Uh, anytime that there's a sliver of daylight available, you have to hit that. And then just let the wide receivers play because regardless of which quarterback it is, obviously the distribution of passes is different because Nicosi's arm is so much stronger than Jaron's. But they should still be winning those matchups nine times out of ten and making the defense pay on the outside. And Dan Enos, he actually talked about that run game, that stretch run game, that outside run game, how they were failing at the getting to the C-gaps. And to me, knowing the X's and O's of this game, that's how you, if you can, the best way to win this game is let these offensive linemen just go hit somebody. You, you have athletic young linemen. I mean, you, they're not great in pass pro. Let's be honest about it. It's what it is. But the one thing to take that pressure off, let DJ Dallas go get off. Let uh, Cam Harris get off. Heck, if you, if you have to, if you have to just go to do what you have to do in that situation. And uh, just to, to back up what you were saying about uh, DJ Dallas, he's 12th in the country right now in r- rush yards per, uh, per carry, and that's huge. I mean, you the only guys that are ahead of him are guys like Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins of Clemson and Ohio State, respectively. That's pretty good company. So you put the ball in your playmaker's hands. I mean, and as far as the drop passes, Mark Pope, I told, I said last show, I said he owes me about 15 push-ups for that miss, for that drop down the sideline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he does, even if you go back to the Virginia Tech game, uh, Nikosi Perry on and like a scramble, drill, escape, a free blitzer. He put a ball about 40 yards up the sideline uh, on the money on KJ Osborne uh, in both of his hands, and he just couldn't make the catch as he's going down. I know it would have been a tough play, mm-hmm. um, but you're a fifth year senior. We brought you in to make those kind of plays. I need you to make that. You know, so yeah, I mean, you just you, you can't have the drops and you can't have the misses either because Nikosi, he overthrew. Uh, Mike Harley on a slot fade. He overthrew K.J. Osborne, who was number four in the progression uh, that Dan Enos was talking about and Manny Diaz yesterday, or recently, I should say, in their their Monday presser. Um, You know, he was the fourth progression on a deep post and was butt naked wide open, and you overthrow him. You know, and I would like to see K.J. maybe dive for that ball and try to celebrate the game and get there, but Kosey, you got to put the ball on him. And we've seen that happen where, you know, against Florida State, a couple years ago, or last year, where he had that 41-yarder in the bucket to Brevin Jordan for the game winner. I know that you can hit that throw. I know your arm is strong enough to make that throw, but, you know, dial the adrenaline back a little bit. So it's it's on the quarterbacks to put the ball where it needs to be um, down the field. And, again, I don't think that Jaron's arm is as strong as Nikosi's. I think that's been proven. So, again, the dish, you probably won't see a 50-yard pass in the air from Jaron. Uh, but wherever it is, the ball needs to be put on them. And when the ball is put on the receivers, whether it's Pope, whether it's Osborne, whether it's Thomas, whether it's uh, Brevin Jordan, who we haven't even spoke about, who's the best tight end in college football, any of those guys, you got to make those plays. Even if Brevin Jordan is the, he, even if he thinks he's the slowest guy out there, um, I, I agree with you. He is the most talented uh, tight end I've seen. I, the only other guy I would, I would even put in that conversation is. Um, my guy Albert O out at uh, Missouri, but I don't think he he can even hold a, hold uh, hold up against uh, Brevin Jordan. But we're kind of getting towards the end here, so I'm just before we get out of here, give me a pick, give me an impact player on both sides of the ball. 
Ooh, ooh, good questions. Uh, the pick is Miami. I think you know Miami comes in is almost a three took, excuse me, three touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean there is a, a vast disparity on both performance on the field this year and overall roster talent, and I think that that will bear itself out to be true uh, tomorrow at noon. The skill or the impact players on defense, I'm going to stick with. Um, Good old number 15, Gregory Russo, finally got his first start last week um, and lived up to the billing, uh, you know, of him being the next coming of Calais Campbell or better. Uh, just an absolute terror off the edge. And any time that Georgia Tech wants to pass, I think that he's going to be a thorn in their side. So he's my defensive um, impact player. On offense, on offense I'm going to go DJ Dallas. Um, you know, he had almost 100 yards total offense against Virginia. Uh, you know, he was able to find some running room late because, you know, the, you're, you're paying early or the putting, laying the foundation early with running the ball that pays off late uh, because early it was not successful, but late in that game it was. I think that Miami's going to be able to find some running lanes. I think that they're really going to try to boss up because this is a team that they're more physically talented than at the point of attack. And I think that DJ Dallas, he's just a dog. He's one of my favorite players on this team. I've said it since he was a recruit many years ago. Um, and I think that, that he's going to be one of the uh, foundational players for a big Miami win. I definitely got to agree with you on the on the Miami Hurricane win. Uh, this Georgia Tech team is is they're just they don't have the thought, they don't have the dudes this time around. Um, right. As far as offensive player, uh, impact player, DJ Dallas is he has been the rock of this team. It doesn't it just seems like every now and then he just makes that one play. He last week he bounced out. He went in, he got in the hole, bounced out, and took it around, took it up field. I'm saying, how did he get out of that? Um, and on defense, for me, as much as I love Shaq Quarterman, we talk about him almost every single week. Uh, I got to go. I definitely got to go with Russo because he's going to be that terror off the edge. Uh, so we're kind of in agreement there. Uh, he's going to be that terror off the edge on that offensive line that is being asked to pass pro for the first time in their life for a full season. Mm-hmm. That's something. And he's and he's sneaky against the run, too. I didn't think I was really concerned that about how he play against the run, but he's pretty good against the run. Uh, those long, I mean, he, God builds certain guys to, like that. There's very few of them, but when they're built like that and they're, they're just dominant like that, if they develop, they're going to be very, very, very good. Uh, but Cam, it was great having you on. We definitely got to have you back on. Before we get you out of here, plug your work real quick, man. State of the Union. Yeah, man, Freddie, it was uh, definitely a good conversation. appreciate you having me on. Look forward to coming back uh, in the future. Uh, but like you said, I am the managing editor at stateofthu.com, so we are all Canes all the time covering. Um, you know, football, basketball are the main sports, but we do try to dip into, uh, you know, women's basketball, tennis, track and field, the other sports, uh, you know, when there are noteworthy kind of events. Uh, so you can follow all of us. We're, we have a staff of, I think, 18 uh, current contributors over there. A couple photographers, a really great graphic designer as well with our wallpapers of the week and things like that. So that's the website, stateoftheu.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The State of the U. Uh, and my personal Twitter is at Underwood Sports where I talk about sports, but also reality TV. So if you are a fan of Temptation Island or Below Deck or Below Deck Mediterranean or things like that, come on over. We have a good time. Cam, I've been a big fan for the last few years, man. It's great having you on. Definitely have to have you on again. Yo, appreciate it, man. All right, man. Thanks for having you on. It's always great to have fellow Canes join us to talk Canes football. It's about that time for us to give our final verdict on this game.
All right, with no further ado, uh, you know, I don't. I hate to say we're the judge, jury, and possibly the executioner in this one, but I think the Canes are really going to have their way with this Georgia Tech team. Uh, my two tapes that I did see of this this team, again, like I said earlier, uh, against against Clemson at the beginning of the season and most recently against Duke, uh, I saw a team that they have athletes, but the problem is they don't have they don't have the dudes. It's sometimes about the X's and O's, but sometimes it is really about the Jimmys and the Joes. And Georgia Tech just does not have the Jimmys and the Joes just yet. Under Jeff Collins, you have a lot of guys playing out of position. Uh, the one thing he did say at the beginning of the year uh, was when he first got to Georgia Tech in the, in the spring uh, was that he didn't have a tight end on the roster, and he had to go out and find guys to, to play tight end. And it's crazy to think that because – you know, in modern college football, you typically see three receivers, a tight end, a running back, uh, as far as your skill positions on the field at any time and point. But this team has so many guys that are mostly running backs. They're A-backs and B-backs from that triple option offense, which has a, has a lot of the same principles of, as what you see at maybe an Oregon, maybe a, uh, a an, Oklahoma, an Ohio State who likes to run a lot of that option game out of the shotgun. But still under center, old school style, triple option offense. So that's going to be something that this team still has speed. So Miami has to watch that. I think Miami's going to have a, uh, I just don't, I think Miami has the better athletes uh, on both sides of the ball. The defensive line is going to be able to take advantage of, of, a, of a, an offensive line at Georgia Tech that is mostly a, a run, uh, run blocking offensive line. They're going to, uh, who's going to have to play a lot of zone blocking schemes uh you're gonna see greg russo be able to wreak havoc when it when they do decide to throw the football and georgia tech has a couple injuries at quarterback so that doesn't all that doesn't help either so for me i look at i look at this game as being a a game where you could see 35 13 that sounds about right to me uh and and they co- not only do they cover but they also uh get the win and bring it home go canes Nice prediction. Nice take. I'm going to do you one better. Uh-oh. I got us winning 38 to 17. I think we win big. I think we get a big game from Nikosi Perry. I think he has three touchdowns. I think he gets one to KJ Osborne, Jeff Thomas, Brevin Jordan. All three of those guys get touchdowns. DJ Dallas get a couple scores. We're going to see a lot of of the rings come oh, out. Oh, so it's we're going to see the rings okay. come out. I like it. I like it. But here's the bold prediction for the game. Our defense will get a defensive touchdown. So we're turnover gonna get, chain. We're okay. going to get the turnover chain to come out, but the defense is also going to put up points, whether that be a fumble taken back to the house or a pick six. It's going to happen. And the hard rock is going to be rocking. I really do hope so because lately, uh, and it, it seems like this, the the atmosphere has been somewhat light. But even against the Virginia Tech, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the Virginia game, there was fifty four thousand people there. But the sky shots, they just seem so. Everyone's so spread out. Uh, so I, I wish I wish the Kane, I wish the. Uh, the Canes fans would actually sit together, at least make it look a little bit better than it's being so spread out. It actually looks like a Miami Dolphin game. No one's there. That's never good. 
So, but it's a 12 o'clock kickoff, so it's going to be pretty hot. So that's going to be also to our advantage a little bit because those Georgia folks out there, they've been enjoying like 65 degree weather for the last few weeks. And so uh, they, they kind of had a heat wave uh, the other week. It was like almost 100 up there. Ooh. It's cooled off now, but it, they, they, were, they were burning up okay, okay. in Georgia. Okay. They they were they don't get the humidity like we do down here. In Florida, right, right, right. But but that that temperature, it was up there. It was definitely was. Well, that will do it for today's show, previewing the Georgia Tech game. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing the Canes bring home that victory. We both predicted them to win, and we'll be here Monday to break down the game, what happened, who was the playmakers, and to talk about a win. So make sure you guys go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Leave that rating, review, share with your family and friends, and let us know what you think of the show. Soon we'll be getting fan interaction involved with the show. So please go out, send that review, tweet at us so we can get that in motion. Also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCanes for the latest happenings with the show as well and updates on the team. And remember, go Canes. It's all about the you. Go Kings.